but I want to know. Oh, how the date went? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it went well. It went well. Um, it was, uh, we met in a, because she was afraid of, because of, uh, she lives with her parents and stuff, she didn't want to get COVID and whatnot. Can you hear me? Yeah. She didn't want to get COVID and whatnot. So I was like, all right. And she lives like 45 minutes away from me. So I was like, all right, we'll find a spot. It's like halfway between us. Uh, we'll go for a walk in like a nice like woodland uh, pond area. And then we'll like picnic it out a little bit. And it was cold. It was like, um, I'm so bad at, at converting Celsius to Fahrenheit, but it was, it was cold out. It was like maybe 43 degrees. So like just, just warm enough to get a little smooching on Chris. All right. So, Maybe that the maybe the game See, didn't go the, well, but the day went well. So. See, you're a, you're a smooth kind of guy. Whereas me, if I, if a woman tried to convince me to go into the wilderness near a pond, <laughs> I'm convinced myself she's a serial killer. I'm really worried you're trying to get rid of the body. <laughs> dog, dog. It's funny you say that because I mean I always tell my non-Greek friends like, look at this face. This is a catch a case face. Your Greek guys got to be careful. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, it was good i mean and to be honest let's dovetail over the game real quick i um it's funny i was looking at some of our past videos and some of our past conversations and whatnot and i think yesterday we we chatted a little bit yesterday over text about the game and how we felt and it was kind of funny how we've almost flipped where i'm the one that's trying to talk you off the ledge and being like no nah, no nah, like it's fine it's this it's that like we got it i'm optimistic but whatnot um, it, it's just, it's one of those things, man, where, um, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you let it rip and then I'll, I'll say what I have to say, but have you changed it all from, from your stance yesterday or do you still kind of feel the same, same sort of mood? Just let me know what you're feeling. I feel the same. When the first, when the group was first drawn, um, the reason I thought it was a difficult group is because Slovenia gave me exactly what I expected, but I thought Kosovo would be a lot better Kosovo if you could if you look at the Kosovo that played England for instance they were a much stronger side than this Kosovo team Kosovo declined quite dramatically so I considered Slovenia to be the third best team in the group now if Slovenia were the third best team in the group as we saw over two games we drew nil nil on both occasions we couldn't break them down you know it would have been a tough group but because Kosovo was so weak and the third team that I felt would be the third team suddenly becomes your biggest threat well, then you expect to win the group. So what I found really disappointing is the fact that we couldn't break them down over two, two matches. Now, if you look at it holistically, we created some chances, that's true, but I'm not sure we did enough in terms of applying consistent pressure. If you look at the game yesterday, the first half, I thought we were okay. In fact, we were good. We were, we were fairly good. Um, we created the better opportunities. We were on top. We were probing. In the second half, the back line, the defensive line dropped way too deep. And what would start to happen, and, and that was a really big error in my opinion, because one thing about uh, Slovenia, they don't have pace up front, or they didn't really, they didn't look sharp up front yesterday. So you can afford to push higher up the pitch, have the, the lines between the teams, between, sorry, have, have the lines within the team close to each other, so the defence fairly close to the midfield. Uh, Slovenia liked to, to, to be fairly narrow. You could have dragged, you could have, drawn them into a sort of narrow position because they're quite big at the back. They feel like they're comfortable with dealing with, with deliveries from out wide. That's fine. Let them get narrow, push up the pitch. And then as, they, as you start to, to go through that funneling sort of 
effort of going through the middle, you're going to generate more space on the flanks for the likes of, of Timiga to find more space. Instead, what we did is drop way too deep. The gap between the lines was too big. And what they were seeking to do is play long balls forward, early long balls forward, up to Bavalili, who personally, I mean, you know I'm a fan of the coach, but I didn't like his changes, his substitutes at all yeah. yesterday. And I'm not saying this in retrospect. I felt it at the time. Personally, I don't think he should have taken off Yago Magi at halftime. I thought he, he looked he looked uh, very physical. He was causing them problems. He had the beating of them aerially. He made that change. I don't think Bavlivi played well, despite that attempted bicycle kick that sort of caught the eye. Generally speaking, I don't think he had a great game. Um, and there was just, it was very disjoint, disjointed from defence to, to attack. Now, Fortuny at points in the first half looked really, really good. But what happened is when you started them playing those long balls over the top, you're bypassing your midfield. Now, he had to drop deeper a little bit in the second half, collect the ball, which he wasn't doing enough, to get on the turn and start building from there. But in fairness to him, you don't really want your best attacking midfielder moving into a holding midfield sort of role. So everything was just very disjointed in the second half. I wanted that team to be higher up the pitch. When we did start to get a little bit more desperate and we started to push higher up the pitch, we started to apply pressure. But even then, I'm not sure I liked the changes because we essentially got rid of the midfield totally and went from having defenders and then everyone up front. And again, you're creating that situation now where you've got a massive gap in the middle. Well, every time they win the ball then, they've got acres to run into. You've got isolated defenders. And that's why we ended up seeing a player sent off too. So to me, it was just all very disjointed. We should have won the game. We've created enough to win the game. We should have won the group. But because I personally believe, based on the fact that Kosovo have declined massively, that it was a very weak League C group of the four groups I thought it was the third strongest or the, the second weakest you could say um, I'm very very disappointed and that's why I think Harris Stair made the tweet that he made which I, I wasn't pleased with to be honest with you um, sometimes I feel like these sorts of tweets yeah I feel like these sorts of tweets are motivated for, for, for those that might not have seen it he basically said that uh, against a team uh, in a group of this sort of level suggesting that it was a low level group this Greek team is sort of there's no excuse for not qualifying and not being able to score goals. Now, the reason I find that a bit problematic is to me, it stinks a little bit of, you know, they've got certain friends perhaps that he knew from when, I don't know. In fact, I'm not sure if he played. I don't think he played with any of the current crop, even the more experienced players, but they know each other. And it's almost like a criticism of the coach as if to say, you know, you haven't done your job well. There are certain players that should have been in. But people have to remember, we only conceded one goal throughout the whole group. So a lot of people are talking about Manuel Ansogradi right now. but the defense wasn't the problem. No, definitely not. I think there's a tactical problem. I think the substitutions, I think all of Twitter, like you know how divided Greek football Twitter can be. We were all kind of on the same page where it was like, why is Yakumaki coming off? Why is Tsolis playing a lone striker for the first 15 minutes he's on the pitch? It was very bizarre how he moved Pavlidi to that left wing spot as well. It was Tactically, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher second half. But even still, even still, I, I was very proud of the way they came out. I, was, I still think that it was a tricky group for any League C team to navigate. It's not very often in League C you have to go up against an Atalanta-type playmaker like Ilicic and then go out and beat the best keeper in the world uh, in net. So that still poses a lot of challenges. And I think there's a difference. There's a major, major difference between the two games, the nil-nil against Kosovo and the nil-nil today. Massive, massive difference. The nil-nil against Kosovo, I would absolutely argue, was a game where we almost shot ourselves in the foot, where Bavlidi had an open chance. 
he kind of whiffed it, he, he bottled it, it doesn't even get on target. And, and we almost did it to ourselves. It was our own lack of quality, our own head, our own mistakes getting in the way. Today, we, we created some chances. We tested heavily Jan Oblak, where he had to come up and make two world-class saves. Those are on target. And, and obviously, it wasn't enough. But in terms of the two performances, it's not same old, same old, the end product stinks, this, this, and that. There was a little bit of that more fight for Greece. And let, let's be honest, we dominated that game. I really do think we dominated the game. Tactically, the second half, we regressed a little bit. But even still, you had a, your star men like Fortuny coming and bossing the game. I thought he had a, a wonderful performance. I thought we were a totally different team when Simikas is in that left back spot. For me, I guess I'm looking at a big picture where just wait till – Wait till Bakakis gets back. Wait till Galanopoulos gets back. Madalos. Let's see if we try Gagliota, sorry, Vlodnis in attacking positions and be more experimental to, to really nip this attacking end product problem in the butt. Because that's one of my biggest takeaways is now is we have a bunch of months now to do some soul searching with how are we going to handle these goal-scoring woes. Because walking away from that game, that's really the biggest problem we have. I trust our back line. I trust our keepers. I trust our midfield, believe it or not. And the combination of Amada, Los Bacasetas, Fortunis, Galanopoulos, Zeca. We have enough to make a tournament. That's a midfield that's talented enough to make a tournament. So the, for me, it's we really – we missed Fudas as well. That was a very big miss for us. And then let's see what happens when we have full strength. But I, I have a lot of optimism walking away from it, despite the disappointing result, despite the empty feeling of, hey, like, we, we should have won that. We didn't, and that kind of stinks, and it takes a little, little bit of wind out of our sails. But I'm okay with it right now. I, I, think, I think there's enough to show that even when Khadi Steas in his rant, he was saying it. We had talent. I think we have enough talent. We just need to figure out how to use it the most efficiently and milk it for every last drop. And that's how we're going to get to a tournament again. See, I do think, I mean, on this, on this topic, we are, we are going to disagree. We often do, which is a good thing. It's good, it's good to, for the viewers to, to, you know, pick a side in a way. It's a good thing. But um, I do disagree with quite a bit of that. So, Let's take Fortuny for instance. We'll start off with him, but I'll address each part. With Fortuny, there were moments, there were flashes of brilliance. But against this level of opposition, and generally speaking, you need your big player to turn up and win you the game. What did he really do? Really? I mean, there were moments where he had, especially in the first half, where he looked, you know, there were a couple of moments, not some nice dribbles, but he didn't take the game by the scruff of the neck. And, and yes, some of that was down to the fact that part of the second half was bypassing him with long balls over his head. But I don't really, I don't look at that performance and think he played brilliantly. Then I look at Simiga. I don't actually think Simiga played well at all. I thought in the first half, he had two very good deliveries. One that Yagumagi headed over the bar. That wasn't easy to execute from the striker, So, it, but it was a good delivery. The second one was Fortuny's header, which was cleared off the line. Um, apart from that, I thought from a... T one of the things with Simiga is when he's got space to exploit, to run into, he's very, very good. When it comes to tight spaces and he has to be technical, uh, I, I think that Yanul is certainly the superior player in that in that sort of scenario. He's the better technical player. And I think Simigas suits Liverpool because of the fact that the way Liverpool play and there is so much sort of emphasis on focusing on the strikers and the way they, they will shift around and Firmino will drop in. And when Firmino drops back, you get Salah and Mane that try to get in between the fullback and the centre-back. And that gives space down the flanks. You get Robertson and Trent making those runs down the flanks and their fullbacks provide a lot of their service. Because of that system of play, 
Simicas suits that way of play, and that's why Klopp's bought him, because he likes to run into space. Against these sorts of teams, though, where they're going to be quite tight and sitting back, he's not really the sort of player that will unlock uh, a, play, a, a team with some sort of quick, sharp one-twos. I still think there's a lot of his game he needs to work on. And yesterday in the second half, I thought it was a little bit anonymous. And a couple yeah. of occasions where he did have the opportunity to deliver, they were it and stuff like that. So I wasn't that impressed with Timiga either, to be honest with you yesterday. I, I didn't look at that team and think, you know what, X has played really well or Y has played really well. It was, there were moments, there were moments. At times, back I said, I looked really good. And then at other times, his decision-making was terrible. Every time he got the ball, he just seemed to want to shoot from 25, 30 yards. And it's this thing of this really nice build-up play, some really nice one-twos, which he's always involved in. And you're opening them up and you're thinking, this is lovely. Here we go. Same old story. End product. Where's that final ball? And it would mess up. Or where's that finish? And it would mess up. And it's just, I'm not sure if it's a lack of composure or it's a lack of quality. But the problem is that with all due respect to Slovenia and congratulations to Slovenia, you know, at the end of the day, they did what they had to do. They qualified. This isn't a, a big nation. Um, they did really well. But the fact of the matter is, if this was World Cup qualifying, they're going to be a pot four team. So of our potential rivals, they will be the third uh, weakest team that we will have to overcome. And if we couldn't overcome them in the Nations League, what makes people think we're going to be able to overcome them and another two sides or one of another two in qualifying? And with regards to Ilicic uh, and Oblak, they're two players. One's an outfield player, one's a goalkeeper, of an 11-man team. You know, you get a lot of teams that will have one superstar and they're not very good teams. Slovenia are not a world-beaten team. And if Greece are going to want to progress to major tournaments. This is the sort of team we should be dispatching of. They're, they're well organised. But if you look at their last Nations League, they finished bottom of the group, three points, three draws, three defeats. They finished below Cyprus. You know, this is not a giant of a nation. And, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I find it very hard. Let me jump Sorry, in. I was going to say that there are positives. There are positives. But I find it hard to take away something that, that makes me think, you know what, we're really kicking on. Yeah, for me, I think the two biggest takeaways where I'm a little bit still nervous are we need to do some soul searching. With, can you hear me? Yeah. So we need to do some soul searching with the end product in terms of finding some goal getters. We need to find that and figure that piece out. In the next three or four months, JVS has to do that. Then the other piece that I'm a little bit weary of still is tactically how how um, flush is JVS with situational tactics. That's still. Um, rang true yesterday a little bit as well with the deep, the deep line, as you said, and, and some of the changes that were made. I mean, Tsimikas was anonymous a little bit more in the second half. I think, though, uh, in the first half, I mean, a lot of our attacks went through him. I thought when Fortunis did have the ball, much unlike in the previous games when a lot of times he would spray and it would be intercepted and whatnot, anytime the ball is at his feet, it was a positive movement getting towards goal, and it was always posing a threat. Um, I was disappointed in Guignot. I thought he drifted in and out of the game. I thought he was anonymous for 90% of it. He had a couple great little moments, but other than that, it wasn't really much to sniff at for him. Uh, let me dovetail to uh, what you said about uh, qualifiers really quick, if, if Slovenia were in our group. I, was all, I went on Gate, International, Gate 7 International yesterday, or excuse me, last week, on their podcast. And what I talked about was we have to be patient and we can't sack GBS. Um, not that they were calling for his head anyway, but it came up briefly in the conversation. And we can't sack JVS because Greece, no matter the era, no matter the generation, they're always a team that is going to be a little bit caught up and, and um, kind of snake bitten by these two pot three and pot four teams. Uh, we've never been someone that has handled these pot three and pot four teams 
with ease. Like a Bosnia, for example, would smack around an Estonia, and then we'd go on tie Bosnia, then we'd tie Belgium, and then Belgium would wipe the floor with Bosnia. So we punch up well. We play to the level of our opponent that is worse than us. We have range. So a team like Slovenia, if they were in our group, I would argue that we'd finish above them because we'd be able to go toe-to-toe with the bigger boys, and the bigger boys would wipe the floor with a Slovenia team. One we, other thing we I might finish say, above them. Let me, let me say one more thing real quick. With, with a, t- a player like, yes, Jan Oblak and um, Ilicic, yes, they're two players. Ilicic, let's say he's worth two players in a League C format. He's very talented. He's been a, a star man with Atalanta. Let's say with Jan Oblak, man. I mean, we've seen it in the World Cup when, when you have a keeper that is that talented, that stands on his head almost day in and day out. It, it's definitely worth three or four players, uh, like extra, having that, that sort of a difference maker. And he was the difference yesterday. And that's not something, if you look at the other Group C, League C winners, Armenia or, or um, Albania, they're not having to go through that, through that kind of stardust to get to League B. So for us, for how we are wired as a team, it was a little bit of a perfect storm as well. Um, so to, I think there's still, as we were talking about with, with how this is a, a, an environment that's foreign to this crop and this coaching staff, and we'll learn a lot about this team, we learned a lot. And I thought they rose to the occasion in, in enough spurts to give me faith. I still think the jury is out with how they handle the qualifiers, um, you know, going on in March. So uh, you had some stuff to say, so go on and jump in. No, I was just going to say that. Even if we finish above Slovenia, that's not necessarily the point. The point is that if Slovenia are going to get trounced by the bigger teams like you're saying, even if we don't then trounce them but finish above them, we still don't qualify. In other words, if the smaller teams are going to be taking points off us, we're not going to qualify if we have to overcome two teams. Because something that there is a... Yes, you're right when you say that in the past we've we've played to an opponent's level, we've struggled to break down the smaller sides, but we compete with the bigger sides. But there were two big differences from then to now. Firstly, that team was set up for that manner of play we could sit back and absorb um pressure pressure and then look to create one or two chances and then we were clinical and we would take those chances and when we were struggling against smaller sides that were narrow and deep it's because the expansive element of the game wasn't necessarily there they were a very patient sort of greek uh, team a, build, a, a patient building team this team's different this team on the back foot doesn't look quite as comfortable even though they're very good defensively but the reason they've been very good defensively is because they dictate the game. And so when they're dictating the game and probing for openings and they're struggling to create openings because of the end product, that means there's a lack of clinical, uh, a clinical sort of uh, element to their game in that final third. So it's different. The other thing that's different too is that we used to be a pot two team. So even if you're struggling against some of the smaller guys, you're going to be enough of them and then compete with the big boys in the group to be able to get through. Whereas now, if you're struggling against the smaller guys and the top two teams are going to be beating them, well, then you've got a real problem. With regards to um, some of the other teams, they've all got very good players. I mean, you mentioned Albania, for instance. Albania have actually got two very good keepers in Barisha and Strakosha, two players that have played in Syria. Uh, you mentioned Armenia. Armenia have got Henrik Mkhitaryan. There's always a team that will have one or two brilliant players, even if, I mean, also also uh, Albania have Hisaj, or Hisai, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, the Napoli fullback. So, you know, there's always going to be one or two top players at mid-range level teams. That's not enough to, to, to be an excuse to say, okay, it was a difference maker. I mean, you look at Oblak yesterday. How many saves would you say he really pulled off where you expect, it goes back to the preview video we did for this, for this game. 
How many opportunities did we create where you say, right, he has to score? Do you think there were any that we looked at? I mean, if Pavlidis' goal had gone in, it's a wonder goal. It's not a goal where you're thinking he has to score. The header off the line, it was quite a comfortable clearance off the line. What did we create where you think, oh, wow, how did he miss that? So Fortunis had had Oblak beat on that header. Um, and then the Bacasetas long-range shot and the Pavlidis bike kick were both going top bins. So it required a last save, which, which... You would expect your keeper to save those, though. You'd expect an Oblak to be able to have a chance at it. Black with him when he concedes any one of those. Sorry? I don't know. If, if that's Black with him when he concedes a strike from 30 yards like that, which is not right in the corner. It wasn't quite in the corner. And then another bicycle kick, which again was a looping bicycle kick. I don't know. You're going to be upset at your goalkeeper. It's then, not like we missed a one-on-one or we created any sitters. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the other one would be when Solis had some penetration and fed it in and, and uh, it went just left of the post, uh, near post where Limua was there. There, there were, there, I mean, we, we knew what Slovenia were going to bring to the table. They were, they were packing it in uh, a lot in the second half particularly. And which leads me actually to my next point. What, one thing I will criticize, apart from the tactics, apart from the end product, or the goal scoring more so than the end product, is if if people go back and look on my old old personal page, we did a 2018 World Cup qualifying preview uh, a long time ago, many moons ago, Chris. Um, I was a ripe college grad at the time, but uh, it was we had talked about Spain, and I remember particularly when we talked about Spain. We were I was saying anyways two things: one, when there's no Plan B, they struggle, and two, the types of players that are getting called up. They only have one set of tools in their toolbox. They don't have a lot of jackknives and hammers and knives. They got one screwdriver and – I'm sorry, they have 11 screwdrivers, and that's it. And if they don't have a, a Phillips head nail to screw in, they're kind of messed up. And I saw a little bit of that with JBS's selections over the course of the Nations League. And then particularly yesterday, when we needed aerial deliveries to, to try and bridge that gap and, and, and have a little bit more of a, a sense of urgency to score – we took off our one aerial threat, really, in, in Yakumakis. But other than that, we have small guys in the field, small, nimble, fast guys, which was strategic. We wanted to play that style. I would posit, and what I posited from the beginning was, we're not talented enough to have one style of play where we have the goal getter that we can rely on. It's clear there's an end product issue, which means we need to really do some more soul searching in, in how we go about scoring goals. We are really benign on set pieces. We are really benign in aerial elements of the game, which is why I was arguing in the group chat yesterday that we need to have a little bit more diversity in areas we can handle. A bigger body as at one of the center backs, maybe a bigger, a bigger body in that holding midfield spot to offer a little bit more of a threat in those aerial positions uh, where, where we need to take advantage of it, where the slick play isn't working, particularly as the second half wore on. I'd like to see a little bit more of those the different types of horses being brought to the forefront. And, and it would have been nice during the Nations League as a time, it's, a, it's a time for experimentation. But it's just one of those things, man, where it, it, we were too one-dimensional. And I'd like to experiment more with being more diverse in our attacks and our approach because we don't have enough talent to play the way JVS consistently wants us to play. And it's a hard way to play. A lot of times even the Germans of the world are winning games 1-0, 2-0, Obviously, they got blown out 6-0 six six the other day. But uh, historically, they're, they're a team that would always beat teams with, uh, the, you know, just mind over matter. On a, you know, they beat you one-on-one on a set piece, and they're rarely unlocking from over, open play. 
and they're not a compact Greece style team. They're, they're a quality team that plays open and back and forth and they would still play a, a one header win, one header goal win and, and this, this or that. So we, I just, I would like to see a little bit more diversity in our approach and be more multidimensional. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, let me hear your thoughts. In terms of my, in terms of my philosophy of football, this is something that I've said for many, many years. Um, if you take a look at Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, for instance, I was very critical of them for that same reason. If they couldn't play an Arsenal under Arsene Wenger, if they couldn't play through you through the middle, they had a serious problem because they couldn't get the ball out wide. The one time that Barcelona did address that is when they had Zlatan Ibrahimovic. For whatever reason, things didn't quite work out there. I think it was a personal relationship issue with Pep and he left and then they had those problems again. And this is why Chelsea, who are very, very good at being quite narrow and deep with, you know, dominant aerial centre-backs, you know, players like John Terry, they were able to, to really cause Barcelona a whole host of problems. And Inter Milan, and Mourinho as well, they were able to do that because regardless of how good you are, you need to be able to have that plan B. I'm not so sure up front that's an issue because I think Bavlidi is good enough in the air, Yagumagi is very good in the air, and Funda is quite a, a smaller mobile striker. So in terms of personnel up front I think we're fine I think the problem is the service they're getting apart from those two good deliveries from Simiga what did they really have to feed off there what Limnyo you were right earlier when you called him out um I wasn't to be honest with you a hundred percent sold on uh Limnyo's performance yesterday to be honest with you um there was one moment where Fortuny did a really nice little move, laid the ball out wide, then it was cut back in. And I think it was Limnyo that arrived quite late. The shot was straight at the goalkeeper. Yeah, um, yeah. That's another one where we need too many another, another player like that. to put that that's, to the left or right. Right. But you see, that's the, the point is he's a right winger. And so a lot of the times, it's not so much the striker, it's that end product in the final third, particularly from areas out wide. Now, what can um, the coach do about that? Yes, it might be a personnel issue. For a long time now, both of us have been calling for Yanyoda to be given a chance. But let's face it, I mean, Yanyoda is in Cyprus. He's not exactly tearing the world apart. But that shouldn't really matter if Mavria, who's also in Cyprus and doesn't start, by the way, yeah. he's not a first-choice selection for Ammonia. He's on a, a team that historically the last few years has been worse anyway. This year, obviously, they finished above. But the Cypriot League with COVID was a little bit wonky this year. So, yeah, I, but, I guess... But the point is, he, he's, he's there, not even starting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Are there any other players that you would like to at least be brought to the forefront or experimented with uh, in the friendlies leading up to the qualifiers? In terms of friendlies, I'd like to see uh, Sebastian Vasiliadi called up just to be given an opportunity, um, just to see what he's got, just to see, you know, how that works. In terms of friendlies, it would be nice to call up Manola. Um, Sokaradi too, but really Sokaradi's got to find first team football. With Manolai, it would be nice to see. The problem is though, again, with Manolai, if you call him up, he's not, we've touched upon this before. I don't think he'll be content with sitting on the bench. And I don't think you can say you're a guaranteed starter. He has to earn his place. So I'm not sure how they're going to go about that. Siova, I think, was, was um, a loss based on the fact that aerially he did offer something more. Yeah. Um, as you were saying, from especially from an, uh, an offensive perspective, he did score that brilliant goal as well. Yeah, he scored, was, scored the match winner against Kosovo. So yeah, and it was you know, really that, well that taken was, goal. The way he brought it down. Yeah, brilliant. That was our the variety piece that we had, and it, it came through against Kosovo. We tied them the next time we played them nil nil. So it's, yeah, so um, it's not so much. Look, I've said it before, and I say it again: we do not have world-beating depth of talent. We just don't. 
And it's more about trying to get the best out of this team. At the moment, unfortunately, I think we're pretty much getting the best out of them in terms of their current level. That doesn't mean there's no room for improvement because a lot of things could be eked tactically, a lot of things in terms of their end product. Look, at the end of the day, if we won last night, let's say we'd won 1-0, even 1-0, or let's say we grabbed a couple of goals, we'd be sitting here now saying, you know, we've played really well in this tournament, some really good football. We do need to work a little bit on the end product, but we got it done, we got promoted, and we'd be very, very happy. And, you know, oftentimes what happens in sport as a whole is that you overreact to a victory or a defeat. Whereas really you have to be more level-headed and just look at the performances. And overall, the performances have been good, but there are areas where we still need to improve. In terms of the talent at our disposal, I do think that they are, you know, fairly limited. It is what it is. We are either an upper echelon league Sieg team or a lower echelon league B team. That doesn't mean we can't grow, but at this present moment in time, this is not a world beaten side and I'm not confident that we'll we'll get to the World Cup through the World Cup qualifying campaign either oh yeah for me I it, I always had this feeling that we would get very close I think I said this on a video uh, previously as well uh, my prediction now is and it has been for a while is we'll sniff the World Cup qualifiers and get close I think we'll narrowly miss out and then I think we'll make Euro 2024 either through the league, Nations League or through the groups because it's two automatic qualifiers as well. Um, and what I was saying on Twitter yesterday too, to, to um, accompany that is we're, we're a young squad. Our oldest striker is 22, 23 years old. We're, and they're raw as well. So we need to keep that there's in mind. Definitely this, a lot of promise there. there. There's a lot of promise. And we're just one of those teams where it's like, if you look at Spain at Euro 2004, you could see the bones of a dynasty there. They're just not there yet. I'm not comparing this to Spain at all. But you saw what happened afterwards, where it's 2006, they got a little bit closer. Then they won in 2008, 2010, 2012. So we're, we're looking at that sort of trajectory where it's like, you see the bones of a potential group stage team there. They're just a little bit, a whisker away. And with some development, they're there. So I think that's where my faith is coming in. While I agree with that, generally speaking, the problem that we do have is that you do have some of the biggest star players, so to speak, who are not that young. Yeah. So Fortuny, how many more years is he going to be performing at this level? You well, know, how old's Mandalo now? 28. He's 28. So Right. So, so exactly. So you're yeah. talking about another four years, maybe three years at the very peak. That's not that long. So if you're talking about the immediate next major tournament, yeah, fine. But if you're talking about sort of, because you mentioned 2004 to 2008. If you're talking about, sorry, yeah, 2004 to, to 2008. If you're talking about four years time, that's fine. If you're talking about post that, there are going to have to be some new stars that are emerging because although a lot of these young players look really promising i'm not seeing anyone there that looks like a potential superstar whereas when fortuny was young you could see there was the making there of someone that could go on to become brilliant um with the the, the 2004 crop as well people forget 2000 go ahead i was just gonna say that 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 2004 crop people forget they made the the european championships final in the under 21s and apart from from making the under-21s European Championship final, um, Banathinae Gore, 
were a very strong team in Europe. They'd made the last four of the UEFA Cup, lost to Mourinho, who apparently in his book wrote that once they beat Bao, they realized that they, they were going to win the UEFA Cup because Bao was such a strong team. Yeah. And then they got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League the following season, where really they should have beaten Barcelona. They won 1-0 in Greece, were winning 1-0 in Spain. So Barca needed three. They got their three goals. And then Bao missed a huge opportunity at the death. Bao really should have gone to the, the semifinals of that tournament too. The point is that same crop of players was producing very high-level performances throughout their club careers. And then they just managed to carry that over to the international scene. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, a lot of these guys are, are looking very promising and talented, but they're playing in a lower league. It's Europa like, level. It's Europa level. Which is group so, stage level. It's Europa level. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, there, we're, we are, we're, we're missing some pieces. I think we're a totally different team when Adanopoulos is in the, in, the, in the midfield making those late runs. He's a box-to-box savage. And he scored the match winner. If you look back at that winning streak from 2019, I love going back to that and just tapping into that. But the first game, Pavlidi beat Armenia without Mkhitaryan. Fair enough. We play Bosnia. And we had an end product struggle there. We created like 25 chances. And, and we finally were able to get the win because of an own goal. So we kind of got bailed out after that Fetpatsidi assist. Wait, um, that's yeah. different though. That's different though. That's different. I don't mind if we're creating chances and missing them. I don't think at the moment we're creating enough chances. When I say the end product, I'm not talking about the finishing goal. I'm talking about that final ball before the attempted finish. This is why I'm not blaming the strikers per se. I don't think the service they're getting is great. So it'll be really nice build-up play. Simigal get the ball on the left. You're thinking, okay, put in a good delivery. He'll overhit it. Like I said, will get the ball. He'll break free from the midfield. He's running directly at the defense. You're thinking, make the right decision. He'll shoot and hit the, the first man. And it's those issues that are winding me up a little bit, that are worrying, that are concerning. But I do agree with you. You're yeah. right in everything you're saying in terms of there is promise there. Yeah. But what's the ceiling? What is the... So let me... Yeah, the, the ceiling, ceiling is... The, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me just finish with the analogy, I guess. Um, so we got bailed out with that own goal, right? So it wasn't us punching home the, the match winner anyway. The one match winner we did have was against Finland, and lo and behold, it was Galanopoulos crashing the net on a rebound that was the goal uh, that, that scored. So his presence, his late runs, his savvy, and that midfield, a young player as well, 22 years old, that if you want to talk about a potential playmaker, uh, Vasily Sabrakos in, in Greece was talking about him and Simika being some of the brightest talents that we're going to have, have be our horses. I mean, throw him with Tsolis, and, 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 you know, there, there are options. We'll just see how it amounts. And then the other disappointing thing is this is the, the other end of the stick with um, the economic crisis as well, because you talked about the 2014 that uh, had made the European finals. Um, the age group of Stafilidi, the 28-year-olds of the world, the 27-year-olds, 26-year-olds, they, they were on Costas Tsanat's um, 2012 Euro 2012 U19 finalist team as well that lost to Spain. Uh, this is another t- a generation that would have been coming to the forefront now that would have been European finals level at youth level. And we're missing them dearly. The, where is the Mavrudis Bugaidises of the world? Where is Apostolos Velios? Where is Stafilidi, who's seemingly the only one that's made it out of that generation well? Uh, that's, the that, that's, that's the problem. So that's the disappointing piece as well, because they, at youth level, we did have them. The crisis did happen. Their development was more or less stifled. Um, I don't think that's a, a I don't, I'm not worrying about it in the long run because we were saying this five years ago as well. We have a player in Liverpool now. We have Kalanopoulos, who's already had Champions League uh, experience. 
we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm not too worried about that just yet. But it is something. I'm not sure the crisis played a big role, though, because a lot of these players went abroad. Stafilidi went abroad and didn't kick on. Apostolos Velios was at Everton at a young age, Premier League, scoring goals. They, they still to needed to develop, though. Their development, whether they stayed in Greece too long or left too early. There were some it – was, it was a factor. It doesn't have to be the driving factor, but it absolutely was a factor. When, you, when you're in a Super League where there are, isn't a lot of Greek veterans in there because they've all less to get their money, got a Fulham, got Surani retired a little bit earlier than he should have, ideally for us. And it, there, there just wasn't that veteran presence to nurture a lot of those youngsters when they needed it. And uh, that's just one of the more unfortunate pieces. That at least is a factor. It doesn't have to be the straw that stirs the drink. But it's just an added layer of complication for these that that generation of the stabilidades, the postulos velioses of the world that that you know never reached their level when they're very very promising. So in terms of talent production, in terms of uh, of having those youngsters, we did have it in this generation. Fortuny seemingly is the only one who wasn't really even a part of that 2012 team that um, <clears throat> fits that description. So. Yeah. Uh, other than know. that, I think I think we've we've covered most of what we needed to. So, um, unless you have anything else, closing thoughts or things that that you know. No, that's it. I mean, we look forward now to to the next one. That's all you can do in football, right? When on to the next, Chris. Whether it's women or football, well, you look to the next on, one. On to the next. <laughs> uh, Jenny, man. Jenny, Jenny, Here's what I'll, yeah, fucking Jenny. Oh well, there you go. Now, now I'm talking French. But um, what I will say is this. I think all eyes are now on the World Cup draw. I think for always and forever, Greece will be – their fate will always be in the balance with the draw and the luck of the draw. Even in the Santos days, we were getting good draws, man, whether it was World Cup qualifiers, whether it was um, group stage uh, draws. I mean, Euro 2012, we had one of the easier groups with Russia, Czech Republic, and um, Poland. I mean, there are some groups of death too – very difficult groups in there. We dodged those. We dodged the big boys. In World Cup 2014, we, we had a very workable group. We weren't in a group of death with Germany or Portugal or Italy, England, and Uruguay or Costa Rica. We, we did get favorable draws, and we haven't gotten that the last few times. I'd love to see if we can sneak a Denmark in pot one, if we can sneak a Romania or Slovakia in pot two and see what happens. Because if we get that pot two, if we overcome even pot two and miss out to pot one, we're still in the playoffs. And I'll, I'll take this team a year, two years from now in a playoff scenario and see what they got. I'll back those boys of the hill. So um, the, the draw, I think, is December 3rd. Don't quote me on that just yet. You can follow up with me on Twitter at the Super Greek with an underscore, and, and we'll talk about that. But I think you and I both agree the draw is a piece that is um, going to play a major factor in our fate for Qatar. Yeah, of course. I mean, when you're, when you're a pot three team, and you're looking at the two teams above you, a draw could really end your hopes quite early if it's a terrible draw. So obviously we'll, we'll be keeping a keen eye on that. Um, but hopefully one day we can get to the point where we're not worried about who we draw and we're just worried about our own level. You know, yeah. hopefully that'll be the case one day. We'll get there. We'll get there. I have confidence. Um, let, let's just finish with this then. Who do you want to avoid in the draw? Who are you most terrified to see and who would you welcome? Uh, I think in terms of style of play, style of play matters. So um, I wouldn't want to draw England 
Greece don't do well against England. Um, the style of play, that high sort of tempo, getting the team turning, getting the defence turning, it's not something Greece are used to, that physical sort of quick transitional play. Um, Greece tend to do better with more technical sides. So, yeah, England would be the one team I'd want to avoid. Uh, yeah, I think that would be, you know, they're the ones. I can't remember Pot two off by heart, but I remember th- thinking that, uh, there were a couple there that were, were, were sort of good draws that you, you wouldn't mind getting. Um, but, you know, Slovakia, Romania. Um, but there were also one or two strong sides where I, I remember Sweden being there. Who else was in pot two? Do you remember? The, the, I'll the look pot? up. But it was, I remember thinking to myself. Yeah. Sorry? I'll, I'm looking it up really quick. But Sweden, tough, tough boys like Sweden that have been battle-tested, made a World Cup quarterfinals. They're in there. So in pot two. So let me look it up real quick. They're in there, exactly. So it's, I think, whereby whoever you draw with the Greek national team, it, it's easy to get carried away and say, oh, we got a good draw. The reality is they're above us in pots for a reason. They've been doing better than we have. So whether it's uh, you know, a supposedly easier draw or not, in reality, they've been performing a lot better than we have. So it's still an obstacle to overcome. We'll be sitting there celebrating. They'll probably be celebrating drawing us too. So you know, we have to we have to remain level-headed and realize that we do have big obstacles to overcome. I saw a tweet online today um, whereby uh, somebody said that there was a Bosnian fan who spoke about how um, knowing their luck, he said, this will be our group. And he tried to pick the best teams from each group. And he picked Turkey from pot two. He picked, uh, uh, I think it was Italy from pot one. He picked Greece from pot three. And another Bosnia replied to him and said, look, Turkey aren't playing great at the moment. They're hit and miss. Greece are really fallen, is what he said. So I'd love that group. So that's the point. We'll be excited about, we're sitting there thinking, okay, we can be excited about who we draw. There'll be people that will be excited about drawing us too. So we've got to change that. We've got to become that feared team that went from, I think it was 2006 to 2012, I think it was, a number of years, eight years it was in fact. So it would have been longer than that, where we were undefeated at home. Yeah. You know, that was incredible. That's what we need to, to get back to, where we yeah. develop a fortress, where people fear Greece, where they say, oh, man, this is going to be a tough team to break down. Or this is, you know, when we get there again, we'll start to, to look at draws differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to end it, too. Um, I think I will be going live. I just said I was going to go live last time. I just wanted to be in the moment and enjoy it as a fan. And, and it looked like it was going to be a frustrating game, so it wouldn't be the best content anyway. But I think I'm going to go live for the drop and, and, uh, and, and on YouTube either or on Twitter. I'll figure it out. I'll keep you guys posted on Twitter for that as well. Uh, we'll see, though. A lot, of, a lot is in the balance with that draw. And, um, yeah, we'll end it there. Um, like, subscribe, follow us. He's at ChrisAndre6. I'm at the Super Greek with an underscore at the end of it on Twitter or just regular Super Greek, the Super Greek on Instagram. Um, comment, interact with us. Let us know how you think and feel about everything that's kind of transpired. And uh, keep riding with us, and we'll keep out putting out that content. So. Chris, anything else? No, that's it. Thanks for everyone watching everyone and uh, get involved in the conversation. Give us your opinions. We've also had the Slovenian fan that's, uh, that's been commenting on the videos on YouTube. Chat, so chat I want to congratulate him. him. Yeah, yeah so, so congratulations to him. You know, I do wish you the best going forward. Hopefully you do qualify for the World Cup. Um, and it was my, lovely my interacting. Story. I think it's Meister Fighter. If you see him in the comments, he's, a, he's been fun, a funny one. He likes our Jenny references as well. Um, yeah so and also you know hopefully he can maybe maybe we've helped develop an interest in greek football for him so even now going forward when we're no longer drawing them he'll continue to tune in who knows so thanks for watching everyone and following the Jordan's nations league god bless and 
we hope to, to entertain you some more going forward into the next tournament. We'll be back. All right.